Hi, welcome to this episode of A Cup of EJ, the podcast where you can learn a bit more about environmental justice in the same time it takes to drink a cup of coffee. If you tuned in last episode, we introduced the environmental justice movement. In this episode, we're going to dive a bit deeper into the past, present, and future of the movement with an interview from Diamond from the organization Grow Plus Environment. Diamond, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes, um, thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, my name is Diamond Spratling, and I'm the founder and executive director of Girl Plus Environment, and I'm super excited to be here. Sweet. And I'm Miriam, the director of operations at Environmental Justice Coalition, the student-led nonprofit that brings you this podcast. So to start off with a sort of origin story or something, um, how did you get into environmental justice? Yeah, um, so it's actually kind of, I guess, funny how I got into environmental justice. Um, For me, I've always been someone who loved the outdoors, who loved the environment, and I had a huge soft spot for um, animals in particular. And so I was like, oh, well, let me study environmental policy and environmental studies. And so I did, but then I actually learned about this concept of environmental justice through my first internship. And I learned about like how there were barriers, especially in communities of color and low income communities. And I was like, wow, like that really resonated with me because I am a woman of color and I grew up in a community that experienced a lot of environmental disparities. And so I felt, um, I guess, very moved and very um, passionate about the topic of environmental justice, specifically in communities of color. Mm, That's interesting. So when you first joined, was it um, very similar to how it is today with an emphasis on, um, I guess, people of color and the disparities they face? Or was it very different? For me, I would say that it was very different, in fact, and I think that in a few ways. So the first um, way for me was that it just felt like it was a very, like, non-diverse sector, just, and this is just the environmental sector in general, like, it was, like, very just, like, white, um, male-dominated, some females here and there, um, but it didn't seem as diverse as it is today. Um, And I think even just like our approach towards um, educating people about environmental justice, it was very different. Like back in the day, we were knocking on people's doors and we were um, going door to door and say, hey, do you know about safe drinking water and things like that? But like nowadays, we don't really do that anymore. So it was definitely very different. Uh, But I would also say it was very just like siloed, like it was when we thought of environmental justice, we thought of like land use, um, safe drinking water, we thought about air pollution, all the traditional like EPA terms that we were talking about back in the day. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting that you say like it wasn't as diverse just because from what I have seen for now, um, at least, as someone who's relatively new to the movement, it's predominantly women of color who are leading this. So that's yep. interesting to me. Yep. 
Yeah, absolutely. It like now I I'm very happy with how the sector has progressed. Like it's so great to see so many people that actually look like me who are fighting for the same things. It's like, oh wow, I feel like very included and I feel like I'm not alone as to like when I first started, it was very difficult and I felt like other people were not advocating for the same things that I was advocating for. I mean, I was one of very few black women there were only actually um three of us in my program when i was an undergrad yeah so it was just very it was very different than it is right now it's also interesting how you say that you went door to door just because i think in my experience a lot of activism today is very digital outreach heavy you know there's not much like direct I mean, part of that is the COVID pandemic. But yeah, yep. You know. Definitely true. <laughs> it's like we're moving closer and closer towards just technology in general and being able to lean onto it versus having to do things in person, which I guess has pros and cons. But I honestly feel like doing things digitally, like we are able to reach so many more people than we have been able mm-hmm. to do in the past too. I also think it's made a lot of environmental issues a lot more well-known. Like, if you mentioned Flint water crisis, everyone knows what you're talking about. Yep, yep, absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) Oh, and also the agrarian part. It's interesting, just because a lot of environmental justice now is so focused on cities, in my perspective, at least. Yeah, definitely. Like, in all of the work that I've done, probably in the past two years, it has definitely been on our centered around cities, which Mm -hmm. I think is very, very critical because one thing that I have learned in the past couple years is that cities have so much power in what they're able to do. And we see a lot of, for example, on the policy level, things being passed on the city, on the local level, as opposed to on the federal level, like Back in the past, like, four years before Biden, um, we didn't really have many environmental laws that were passed. And so Mm. cities had to step up and they have shown that they can. And so now we're seeing, like, greater work being done on that city level. Mm, It's very localized. It also, I think, is much more specific to each city. Yeah. Because, like, one of the things that um, EJC is looking into is to help with public transportation in Baltimore. Mm. Um, So that's... That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, In terms of, like, the diversity aspect, though, does that tie into how you or why you founded your girl plus environment? Yeah, that is exactly (laughs) why. Um, One of the things that when I first got into environmental justice and when I was, like, it was my second year in undergrad, um, And I was interning for a small community-based organization. And I remember being so angry about learning about like asthma rates and disparities there and what that had to do with air pollution, especially in communities of color. And I remember back in the day when Facebook was actually a thing. I know like people are more so on TikTok now. Um, Probably I'm probably aging myself, but But Facebook, I like went on and typed a long Facebook status talking about like environmental justice, this and that. And like none of my family or friends even responded. They're like, what are you talking about? And it wasn't that they didn't care per se. It was that they didn't know, you know, it's like they didn't know what was going on. And also there's so many other things going on in the world. Like I use this example all the time. People who are low income 
they just want to pay their bills. Like we're just trying to get by and pay our, our energy bills and things like that. Like, what do you mean I have to worry about climate change now and something else? But what we feel to realize is that this has everything to do with our overall quality of life and life expectancy and, and just wellness. And so I felt like I needed to create an organization that essentially educated black and brown girls, women, and non-binary individuals about environmental justice so that they can take that information that they learned and apply it in their own communities, in their own neighborhoods, because you don't know what you don't know. And the only way to really do something about it is to educate ourselves and our communities as well. Um, so that's really where Girl Plus Environment came from. Mm, I love the community aspect of that, just because, like you mentioned, a lot of change happens on the local level. Yep. And because it's not so much federal, it's people around you in your community who are banding together too. Not yeah. change. Yeah, so. absolutely. That's exactly right. We have to um, drive change on the community level, especially understanding that every community is different. Like, yes, of mm. course, we see those same similar trends with discrimination and racism, unfortunately, but we are still experiencing very unique um, environmental di disparities or barriers in our communities. And so coming from a very local and community aspect is very critical because community members know what they, their neighborhoods need. You know, they should be the ones to make those decisions and be at the forefront of um, environmental change. Mm. And talking about community, dis community disparities, <laughs> we all know that COVID has kind of heightened these disparities. Um, how else has it impacted like the environmental justice movement recently? Because after all, we're just coming out of quarantine, like at the time this episode is being recorded. <laughs> and it's definitely changed how we're doing things. Um, yeah, it definitely has. Um, and e it even feels weird to say that we're coming out of quarantine and well, seeing people without is... of their masks and stuff. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, are we? Don't want to jinx it. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's not going to some wood. Um, but yeah, so I would say COVID has definitely changed the environmental justice sector in a way of like changed the way that we've done our outreach, especially. And honestly, I would say changed it for good because like I was saying, we were going door to door to people's homes and that only got us so far. I think that with having or being in such a virtual and digital space, we've been able to lean on that and really use, for example, our social media platforms, um, online Zoom events. Like if there was a conference that was all the way on the other side of the country, I wouldn't be able to go. But because we have access to online platforms, I'm able to be in virtual spaces that I normally wouldn't even um, be able to think about attending. And so I think that that has improved because it helped us as far as access to information, to resources, be able to network and to share this important information with wider audiences. Um, but it has also changed the definition of activism, which is something that I never thought that we would see, too. <laughs> but yeah. I think has been a great um, has overall been a great impact. You know, it's interesting because um, I think without a lot of the digital like focus of like environmental justice nowadays, I really wouldn't have gotten involved just because, well, like the door to door thing, honestly, yeah. my parents are immigrants. And if a person, like a random person just shows up at your door and they're not a mailman, mm -hmm. it's kind of a cultural thing. You're not going to open yep. the door to them. Mm -hmm. Who is this? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you at my house? Yeah. Um, 
Also, I think the digital outreach sector kind of has influenced a lot of students because obviously we've had online school and that yeah. comes with a lot more time online, a lot more kind of exposure to these t topics of like social justice, environmental justice. Mm -hmm. So like you mentioned, there's all these conferences and things that students can now attend. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of EJC in particular is founded around that just because mm. we're still largely in school and we largely have classes and things. <laughs> so it's definitely made much more accessible, which because it's focused around these communities of color that often face these disparities. So. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I think that that's probably one of the biggest benefits. And, you know, I definitely don't want to undermine the critical or negative impact that COVID has had on many lives and many families. Um, but I will say it has um, just, I guess, shifting the way that we think of activism has been very enlightening, especially mm -hmm. for me, because when Girl Plus Environment really kicked off, um, it it was right when COVID um, kind of started. And so it's like, oh, well, what do we do? But at the same time, we didn't have an in-person office space. We didn't really have that much of a connection or community right here in Atlanta. So it gave us the opportunity to connect with people from across the entire world um, and be able to offer opportunities to students who were not necessarily in Atlanta because virtual internships were common you know it didn't yeah. look like it was such a weird thing so it definitely gives more opportunities for students to get involved as well it almost it also reaches like the question is digital outreach enough is it enough to count as activism just because obviously education is a huge perspective on it and like a huge impact is that people now know and people are now motivated to fight for um well, to fight against these disparities, but mm -hmm. is it ever enough to enact change on its own? Like, it always has to be paired with action, in my opinion, mm -hmm. which is where you often see a disconnect, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that that is a very hard question to answer, and I think it also depends on who you ask, because um, one thing that I've talked about previously is that there are different type of activists for example you have your I'm at the front of the line and I'm rallying at some um, events with my sign um, activists but we also have activists who show their support or advocacy through writing so through writing policies in toolkits or using their social media to get people involved and engaged or you just have people who are giving keynotes and presentations and for me I think that it's good to have diverse group of activism because it depends on the person's personality. Um, I mean, I feel like I'm an introvert. <laughs> so mm -hmm. like, I may not be someone who's at the front line, but I like to give keynotes and I like to be a part of that policy making and policy writing so that people are aware of the environmental issues that we're experiencing. And so I think that um, you know, maybe doing a few reposts or retweets may not qualify you as what we usually think of as an activist. But I think holding yourself accountable and sharing that information with your network definitely um, constitutes as being an advocate for environmental justice. But I think key emphasis on not just like, oh, 
reading the information and saying, oh, wow, this is very critical, but more so sharing that information with the right people and encouraging both yourself and others to make daily differences in their life in order to advance environmental justice. Hmm. It's also very hopeful to me, I guess, for the future of environmental justice, just that people aren't like so desensitized to these issues. Because mm-hmm. honestly, the COVID ha- highlighted a lot of disparities and these past few years have been pretty rough news. Yeah. So it's nice to see that people aren't desensitized and they're kind of very, they still want to fight for change. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it definitely is very, um, I will say, insightful to see. I know it's hard, though, too, because I don't want to just count the fact that there are so many issues going on, especially, for example, in the Black community that we're always having to deal with. And so having to add another environmental barrier or something else that we're encountering is very hard. But I think that with understanding the fact that all of these issues that we're experiencing are intersectional, I think gives people a little bit of hope. So when they know that they're fighting for environmental justice or they're fighting for food rights, they're also fighting for racial justice, equity, and everything else. Mm, It's also very hopeful just because we hear all these bleak deadlines of um, climate change going to impact the world by insert date here. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there is so much harm being done to the environment, but there's also so much hope that we can make change. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And I, I definitely can attest to seeing those different deadlines <laughs> every couple <laughs> of years, um, which kind of kind of is a little bit scary sometimes to see, but maybe it's a tactic. I don't know. You never know anymore. (laughs) Um, uh, I had one other thing. Um, Tech. We were talking about how tech kind of changed the face of the modern environmental justice movement. And how do you think it'll be used in the future? Yeah, that's a really great question. I think that, um, so one of the things that I do in one of my other roles is we basically use data and tech to help cities and community-based organizations better understand and identify environmental um, burdens across neighborhoods. So I think having access to like those type of techie tools, because it's it's an online tool and platform that really almost anyone can have access to. And I think that um, it's helps us to be able to use tech and use data to drive our decisions. Like, for example, in the past, we would just say like, oh, yes, let's give all of the low income communities um, air conditioning units or do something mm-hmm. you know, similar. But it's like that may not be that the the same issue as the neighborhood next door. How do you even know they even they need um, air conditioning units? Is it just because mm-hmm. they're low income? You know, but now we have data and technology that can actually show us um, in real time also um, where the disparities are, what the issues are and the impact that it is having on these communities as well. And I think that that's really critical because we can um, make better decisions, make informed decisions um, and actually use that for implementation and creating projects that are centered around 
what the community's needs are. So I think that that is a huge space that people are going to be tapping into even more. Um, we've already seen it with um, amazing tools that we have, like the GreenLink equity map, the CEQ tool that was just released and a few others, I think that'll really help to drive um, really what um, environmental justice should look like in the future. And it's interesting that you mentioned community tools because I've also seen that kind of thing in education at least. Mm. Like um, one of EJC's mentors, Dr. Latcha, actually teaches a course on community tools to help like advocate and to kind of understand where these environmental issues are affecting community specifically oh wow yeah that very critical yeah, yeah definitely it's interesting it's kind of like permeating the tech space nowadays yep yep so. it is the future <laughs> um all right i think that's a wrap um hopefully you learned a bit about environmental justice and maybe you had a cup of coffee too although this episode did run slightly wrong long sorry <laughs> So maybe you had two cups of coffee. Either way, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Environmental Justice Coalition and check out um, Diamond's org, Girl Plus Environment, on there too. Um, send us a DM about how you liked the episode and see you next time for a more deep dive into another environmental justice topic. Bye for now. Sweet. Awesome.